Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. I should be continuing our series today, but instead uh, I thought I would have a little change and I have asked my neighbor to come and share with us today. Michelle is living right next to us in their RV while they are building up on the hilltop. And it's so wonderful having their family near us. We so enjoy them all. Randy and Michelle have seven children. And you have heard from Michelle before because uh, we did seven podcasts together uh, on the four L's of raising children. I had been talking to Michelle about family life and she happened to mention how they use the four L's. And uh, they are teaching their children to love the Lord, to love learning, to love labor, and to love liberty. And we ended up doing seven sessions, didn't we? We did. We expected, you know, two or three, but we ended up with seven. (laughs) And uh, that's so great. So you can go back, look them up, and uh, you can listen to them. Anyway... Today, I have asked Michelle to share about a couple of her birth experiences. Now, we all love birth stories, don't we? I love wonderful, natural, amazing birth stories. But sometimes birth stories are not always perfect. And uh, Michelle had some good birth stories, but she had a couple of really kind of not so easy ones. And uh, so I thought I'd get her to share about them today because they can be an encouragement to others who face difficult situations because life isn't perfect. Not every pregnancy or birth goes perfect, but God is always there. And we're going to see how God was in it all. So, Michelle, okay, so maybe you could tell us about your twins first. Michelle has 15-year-old twin sons. So, tell us, start from the pregnancy and let's go from there. Okay, well, this was my third pregnancy. Um, first two were, you know, pretty pretty great, um, good, good birth stories. Um, this one was certainly miraculous and good as well, but a a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Some challenges, um, challenges came along the way pretty early. So um, we found out we we're expecting. Of course, we were so super excited um, of seeing a midwife, planning a home birth. Everything was going great. She expected twins pretty early on. Um, I, I was pretty early on, and things were getting a little tight. And she's like, "Hmm, I'm suspicious." But she's like, "Well, third pregnancy could just be that." Um, but it's just a few weeks after that, she had another midwife come and they did hear two heartbeats. So we were pretty sure, but of course had to go for an ultrasound to confirm, um, confirm that. And we did, we went to the ultrasound at first. They said, Nope, just one. Um, and then she started looking some more and she's like, Oh, wait a minute. Nope. There's two. They were back to back. And so we were really excited, um, 
found out they were both, we weren't going to find out what we're having. We wanted to be a surprise. When we found out it was twins, we were already surprised. So we went ahead and found out that we're having two boys. And um, that's all we knew. It wasn't a high-tech ultrasound or anything. So so we were excited and went on. A um, few more weeks passed by, and I started experiencing some early on, like, back pain and just just getting larger even for twins than than expected. So my midwife took me to um, a doctor in town um, that was experienced with home births and he checked me over. He's a very kind, older, older man. Um, and just said, Nope, I think it's just, it's just twins. Um, just twin expect things like this with twins. I'm like, well, okay. Went home and a few more weeks passed and it just got very intense. I couldn't even sleep. My back felt like it was breaking in two. I got huge. And my midwife was like, I'm taking you to a high risk doctor. She was also a friend of mine, had been a midwife for years and years and years, had experience with twins. And I kind of fought her on it and said, nope, I do not want to go see a doctor where I lived because um, it was a big war between midwives and doctors in that area. And she wanted him to give me the approval that everything was going well, I can continue with my home birth. And I was like, there's no doctor around here that's going to give, that's going to okay that. And she's like, no, this one will. He's a high risk doctor, but him and his wife have had five home births. I'm like, oh, okay. So she actually went, she made the appointment for me and she actually went with my husband and myself to the appointment. And so I was exactly 23 weeks in, 23 weeks along. And we walked in and he introduced himself and he immediately started an ultrasound in his office. Um, and then he starts talking to me about twin to twin transfusion syndrome. And I'm listening. I've heard of it before, but he wasn't, I didn't understand why he was telling me <laughs> about this. And then as he's doing the scan and looking and keeps talking in more depth, it dawned on me and I looked at him and I said, wait a second, are you telling me that my babies have twin to twin? And he's like, yes. And it's very serious. This is not looking very good. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and so I just immediately started tearing up as he's explaining to myself and my husband who had never heard of twin to twin, um, what it is. And basically what happens is we found out our boys were identical twins and with identical twins, they share a placenta. And in that shared placenta, um, they should have their own set of blood vessels. Well, some of their blood vessels were connected and they were sharing blood. So they call one baby the donor baby and the other baby the recipient. So the donor baby is basically not getting enough blood because his blood is going to his brother or to the other baby. Um, brother in this case. So Niles, um, which was our baby B at that point, um, was very small, didn't have any fluid, wasn't receiving blood, and he was basically shrink, shrunk wrap, and he wasn't growing, and he was dying. Um, his brother, which is now Nolan, which was referred to baby A back then, mm -hmm. had enormous amounts of fluid. He had fluid around his heart. He had fluid around his brain, um, and his body, his heart was in distress because he was receiving too much blood so both were in distress and yes. in opposite ways yeah very much so they were both in trouble and wasn't looking good so um he sent me we're at his office at the hospital he sent me down for more tests a more in-depth ultrasound i had to see i didn't even know this existed a fetal heart 
um, specialist that looks at babies in the womb's hearts. That's his job. <laughs> so I had all this testing all day long. We get home at 4 p.m., um, 8 o'clock that night, the high-risk doctor that I went and seen calls me and my husband and kind of went over everything with us, um, had already called a doctor in Cincinnati, Ohio, which was seven and a half hours away from us, um, and said the only chance for these babies to survive, if if at all, is if you go have this surgery, this see if you're qualified even to have this laser surgery. There's only three doctors at that time in the United States that even did it, and the closest one was Cincinnati, Ohio. So we're like, okay. So, so that was a Thursday night. We had to be in Cincinnati, Ohio Children's Hospital at 6 a.m. on Monday morning. So we left on Sunday. We had to stop by the hospital, um, the original hospital first, to check to see if the baby still had heartbeats. So you can imagine, like, oh, and it was Mother's Day. So I can't even <laughs> imagine that. Yes, not not a very memorable Mother's Day um, that I want to remember. But the doctor comes in in his suit, unlocks the door just for us, does the ultrasound. Both babies still had heartbeats, so we're on our way to Cincinnati. So we arrive in Cincinnati um, the next morning, starting at 6 a.m. They started testing, and it was a full day of every kind of test you can possibly think of. Even I even had an MRI. Um, I had, you know, another fetal heart specialist, two of them actually, uh, blood test, you name it, ultrasounds, everything you can imagine from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. At 4 p.m., they sit me and my husband in this huge conference room with two high-risk special doctors that would be doing the surgery if I was even qualified for the surgery, specialized nurses and like all these people. And sitting right next to me was the chaplain, which was not comforting. So I couldn't even, as soon as he sat down and I knew it was a chaplain, I just couldn't stop crying the whole time they were talking. And they filled a whiteboard in that room filled with the statistics, our options. Like if you do this, this is the baby's chance of survival. If we did nothing, they said the chance of either one of them surviving um, was practically nothing. It was like 99.9% chance they would both um, die in the womb um, at this point. It was not looking good. So one of the options they gave me, which I couldn't even believe they were saying, was cut baby B's cord and it would give baby A an 80% chance of survival. I couldn't, and I just, I was just crying. I said, that's not even an option. You know, that's not even an option for us. I don't even want to hear that spoken again. (laughs) And I just said, what are the options? What is the option, the best chance to save both babies? And they said, well, we can try this laser surgery and see how it goes. And that would, in order to save both babies, that if it's successful, that's your best chance. So I'm like, okay, when do we, when do we have it? So it was um, a day and a half later, I was back in the hospital, um, bright and early and they get me all ready for surgery and they take me back and it was in the children's hospital. Um, and I just had a spinal. So I was awake during the surgery I was awake the whole time. And they made two little incisions, one they went in with a microscope and the other one they went in with a laser. So you're able to see it all on the screen. Yes, I can actually see. And I was exactly 24 weeks at that stage. um, I could actually see the babies 
on screen in my utero, in my uterus. So it was like watching discovery TV. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but what they did during the surgery is they go in and they map out the placenta and see, um, which blood blood vessels are connected that they're sharing the blood with. And it can be one, it could be 50. So they map it out several times and they found five, um, in my placenta that were connected and they just laser them with the laser. And then they go back through and see if they can tell if they missed any. And then they sewed me, they sewed me back up and took me back to my room. I was on medicine to stop contractions because they just poked a hole in my uterus. So it was normal to start contracting, but they had to keep on upping that medicine all night long because my contractions weren't stopping. But thankfully, um, by morning they had let up. I hadn't, I hadn't, went into full-blown labor or anything um but they were starting to get a little concerned because it was lasting so long but the medicine just made you feel completely loopy and so thirsty but the one thing they did when we went back to the room was they turn off all the monitors because they're having me hooked up listening to the baby's heartbeats and they turn it all off because they said if anything happens you're just going to hear your babies in distress and there's nothing we could do you're 24 weeks but these babies are sick i mean they are they're not in good health. So it's a miracle for 24 week old babies to survive. But these babies, <laughs> if born, there was nothing they could do because they were in, they were in bad shape at this point. Yeah. Um, so they turned everything off. So it just laid there praying all night oh. and um, believing God's diagnosis and so, not the doctors. Yeah. So nobody knows what's happening. Doctors or you, it's just... Oh, yes. Wow. So the next morning I had two surgeons. They both came back in and they turn on the ultrasound machine and you, and my husband are holding our breath. I'm sure <laughs> at this point, just praying and they start scanning and, you know, just a couple seconds and they're like, okay, there's baby's A's heartbeat. And you're like, okay. Wow. And you're still you're like, okay, what about baby B? And then Oh, there's baby B has a heart, has a heartbeat. <laughs> That's really miraculous. Oh, it was, it was so God. And just the whole time going through the process is, um, and beyond, it was just trusting the big takeaway is trusting God's diagnosis and not the doctors, not man's diagnosis or man's wisdom. And like cut baby B's cord. No, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't because imagine. Because their diagnosis was that they would never make it. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it? Right. Yes. Oh, so they, they even gave me the option of terminating the pregnancy and just starting over. And I'm like, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. This was the not my not the doctor in St. Louis. He was a Christian man and very, very, very supportive. Um, but it's just some of the other doctors, and it's how they're that's what they're taught, you know. So, yes. oh, but so both babies had heartbeats i stayed in the hospital um and then didn't you what happened with all the oh yes all the fluid during the surgery they also not only did they laser the blood vessels but remember i was 40 i was 24 weeks pregnant i was measuring 42 weeks pregnant because of Whoa. all the extra fluid they drained seven liters of fluid off of baby a which is nolan they drained seven fluids, seven liters of fluid out of his sack. Wow. So I could feel me being awake. I could feel my stomach deflating. I came out of that surgery like, oh my goodness, my stomach's gone. Where's my babies? But it was just, oh, it's so much fluid. And that was where all my back um, issues and stuff were coming from. But 
So we had to stay in Cincinnati for a week for seven more days with lots of doctor's appointments and scans and, um, you know, every 24 hour period would pass the, you know, the chances of their survival went up just a little bit more. So that was, you know, every time we went in, it was like, okay, please, Lord, let them both have heartbeats or thank you. We, you know, and then we changed our prayers to thank you, Lord, for letting them have heartbeats, believing God's, believing God's, um, word and not man. Um, so then we had to make the drive back to seven and a half hours back home. And I was on three months of bed rest and two to three doctor's appointments every single week for scans because they were watching the blood flow because different things could happen. Um, Blood vessels couldn't grow back together. They could have missed one and not known. Um, So they were watching the baby's blood flows back and forth. Um, They prepared me for delivery. They said, statistically, if you, if this is successful surgery, you'll make it to 28 weeks. So I toured in my wheelchair, you know, I got to tour the NICU and get all prepared for that. Um, but just, again, just believed God and kept praying that like, we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here in this NICU. Um, and just believing God for the best. Um, so week in a week out, you know, we spent the entire summer, people were rallied around us and supported us. And it was wonderful. My mom, even, I think I'd mentioned something about Thanksgiving and she came up in July with an entire Thanksgiving meal that she made from scratch. And so that fed our family for a week. And I did a lot of reading and coloring with my older children, you know, cause I was in bed. <laughs> and I think you mentioned once you, you even had a Christmas meal, didn't you at that time? It was we did. We had a whole Christmas party. Um, this young lady who is um, just such a blessing to her family. She's almost like a daughter to me. Um, I had my little my little boy had mentioned um, he wanted he wanted to do Christmas. He want, I said something about Christmas. I mean, no, it was like July. He wanted Christmas, and so she shows up with these two giant black trash bags, and she goes downstairs in our basement and strings Christmas lights everywhere, and a, even a disco ball and puts on Christmas mu- music and they had just a giant Christmas um, party downstairs and oh, so yes and you know I think that's so beautiful um, it just inspires us doesn't it how when someone's going through a trial and a difficult time to think of you know fun things to do to to just you know lift the spirits of of those who are going through it I think that was so beautiful oh. And I think it encourages us. Don't, don't be boring. Let's think of fun and exciting things we can do for people when they're going through these times. Oh, absolutely. It was such a blessing. And just for the, all the friends that came over and sat, at, sat on the end of my bed and had tea with me or brought me, you know, healthy, yummy treats and um, just spent time, you know, book, the wonderful books that I was given, you know, was able to read during that time. And so um, time went by quickly, believe it or not, and babies kept on growing and all the issues they were having um, were improving. Niles was my baby A that was shrink wrap and wasn't growing. There was a big size difference between the two of them at the beginning of this. He was catching up to his brother. He was growing and catching up and um, Nolan's fluid around his heart and his brain were slowly, um, deteriorating and going away. Um, so they were healing inside of me. Um, and I just, I just felt that too. Like God's healing hand was just upon me and these, me and these precious babies. And so 
past that 28 week mark and just kept on going. And um, one of the doctors I had to see on a regular basis was the fetal heart doctor. And he would look at their hearts because with the twin to twin, um, Nolan had the distressed heart and it was enlarged. Um, and Niles heart was weak. Um, but he found a heart defect in Niles, my baby, a, my little baby. Um, and he said, um, even later on, as they started improving in things, he said, aside from twin to twin, when this baby's born shortly after birth, he'll have to have heart surgery. It's, uh, wasn't a super rare. He said it's fairly common. Um, but it is open heart surgery. Um, so they were preparing me for that as well. So we started praying, you know, for healthy hearts. And, um, so these babies that they said, first of all, wouldn't make it, um, have now made it all the way past 28 weeks and just kept going. And so I was able to go all the way to 37 weeks with these babies and it was amazing. And, um, the high risk doctor I had, he was absolutely wonderful when I came in, um, to give birth to them. He knew I'd originally wanted a home birth and this is, you know, the whole pregnancy was anything but, you know, natural home birth. <laughs> so he was so amazing. I seen a nurse one time and she said some not kind things to me because he told me that I could eat breakfast before I came. I needed my energy, which was against hospital protocol, of course. Um, and he was willing to do everything I wanted as far as natural and still keep a close eye on the babies. Um, and myself. So he was absolutely wonderful. So I had one nurse not said some not nice things to me and I never seen a nurse again. He stayed on that hospital floor the entire day and, and into the night because I had him right before midnight and didn't leave. He stayed there and he came in to check on me. He came in to do the ultrasound scans and he came in to check their heartbeats. And he was just absolutely amazing. And my midwife, my friend was there with me. So I felt like I was in good hands. It came time to give birth. I did have to give birth in the OR, but I was able to have them completely natural, um, not even an epidural. Um, and right. yes, it was it was amazing. And, and did, um, did you, was one of them breech or they both came here? Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so their birth. Um, so imagine an OR room stuffed full of people. Each baby, because they didn't know, they thought Niles had this birth defect. And they and with the twin to twin, there's things that can, even the blood vessel, blood issues could happen even during birth. Um, so I actually had an ultrasound going my entire birth. Um, they kept the ultrasound machine on. Um, and when I gave birth, Nolan came out first, head first. Um, and he was healthy. His team of doctors took him, you know, in the room and checked him over. And his team of doctors started leaving one at a time. So he's just left with one doctor that stayed with him for a little bit. Uh, but he was great. And then but right when I gave birth to him, I started hemorrhaging. And so which I knew was a possibility because they had messed with I had surgery on my placenta. And so, you know, things could happen with the placenta. And so the doctor actually reached up and grabbed he was breech, grabbed the first thing he could find, which was his feet. Um, up to his elbow. See? So he was footling boy. Yes, grabbed his feet and pulled his feet out, and then I pushed him the rest of the way out. Um, so they're only twenty seconds apart. Whoa. If I wouldn't have had um, the issue with hemorrhaging, they would have had different birthdays because they were born right before oh, midnight. <laughs> so they're born at eleven fifty four and eleven fifty five p.m. Wow. Twenty seconds apart, which I always think it's funny. The twin question they get asked. Um, 
all the time is who's older. And I'm like, well, they're twins. They're really the same, <laughs> but it is funny. Um, but yes, he was a footling breach. That's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, a footling breach. I mean, a breach, hospitals won't, I mean, they won't even do breach today. They, You have to have a cesarean for breach, um, which really most midwives can handle the breach just so beautifully. But um, a footling breach is something else. Yes, when I had my twins, um, Evangeline was first and she was breech and then... Stephen was head first. Usually, often one is breech. But that is amazing. And, and um, I forget which, Nolan, Niles. I mean, he didn't even need surgery. Oh, the heart, yes. So when, after they were born, um, well, and I had him completely natural, so I didn't have an epidural. And so with even with him pulling um, the baby out, I didn't feel anything. Wow. That, because when the ba- first baby's born, it naturally, their head naturally numbs you. Yes. And so... I didn't feel any of of him being breached or him reaching up in me or anything um, when Niles was born. But there, actually, the actual birth itself, besides the environment and the situation we were in, was probably my easiest yeah. birth. But they're also my smallest. They were five five and five fourteen, which is a That's miracle. Amazing. That's such great weights. Yes. That is miraculous. It really is. Niles really caught up, and he was just you know not even a pound less than his brother. And so Ooh. Niles's team was, you know, over there and the, his heart doctor was over there and they checked them all out. And one by one, they all started leaving. And I was like, well, what about his heart? And they were like, we, his heart seems fine. And so they did more tests the next day and no, no heart defect. No, it was a miracle. There was no surgery needed. Everything had Everything was perfect, and they've never had any heart issues. And now today, I mean, I never knew that story, but um, I see these young boys because they're just living right next to us, 15 years old, and they're just real boys, and they're just out hunting and having this adventurous life with our grandsons around here. And uh, they are just two most wonderful boys living for the Lord. They never miss a prayer meeting. They they don't just sit there on their little chairs. They're always into prayer and part of it and uh, just shining lights for the Lord. Isn't God so good? Yes, and to think that they told you, okay, you better maybe just finish it all. You can't Listen to the diagnosis of the doctors. We can trust God. Oh, it is so sad that there are so many who listen to these false diagnoses and terminate their babies. And yet, so many who trust God, their babies come forth. And even through all you went through, you, you know, God has brought these beautiful young men into this world. So Absolutely. Great. I couldn't imagine our life without them. Oh. They are such a blessing. And yes, you have to trust the Lord's diagnosis and not man's. Yeah. You know, even even though I had to go through some of the um some of the hard things, the pregnancy and such, you know, God I just had to trust God. I knew it was gonna be it was gonna be okay. And yes, finding finding those prayer warriors to join you is uh is an incredible, incredible thing. 
Yes, amen. Well, I'm wondering, have we got time to hear about Ruthie's birth story? Oh, we have. That's exciting. Um, Now, I don't know Ruthie's birth story, so (laughs) I'm just going to be, well, see what happens here. But Ruthie, uh, that is their youngest daughter, she is six years age, the most beautiful little girl you could ever find. And she's always over here visiting me and helping me and... Sunday morning when we have church, she's always over here early to help me put out all the chairs. And uh, she's the greatest helper I have ever met and um, loves to come and help me set the table. She loves setting tables. And when I'm having visitors, even she'll pop over and she'll help me set the table. Anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing how did Ruthie come into the world? Oh, Ruthie, yes. Yes, and I actually had an amazing pregnancy with Ruthie. And in between the twins and Ruthie, um, I did have Elijah, who was a beautiful home birth story, um, much less adventurous, (laughs) which was wonderful. Um, But Ruthie, fantastic pregnancy, seeing um, the midwife again, planning a home birth, everything went fantastic. Um, And then, oh, Fast forward to birth. (laughs) Um, So I am notorious, except for the twins, um, to be a 42-weeker. So here I am getting close, you know, past that 41 week. I think she was 41 weeks and three days or four days. Um, And we had had dinner that evening. And actually, my husband and my older son um, were supposed to be out for the evening. And I just said, you know, I think you should stick around for tonight. And they're both like, well, okay, that's fine. And so they stuck at home and we finished up dinner and everybody was, um, you know, had gone, gone their ways. And I think my girls were reading and Randy had gone downstairs to finish up some work in his office. And, um, I was just finishing up a last little bit of dishes and things. And I thought my water broke and I looked down and it was blood and I was, it was just hemorrhaging, gushing. And so I ran past the bat, the running to my bathroom. I'd passed the basement door and I just opened up. I said, Randy, I need you. And I ran to my bathroom to grab my phone and I called my midwife and she gets on the phone and I'm telling her, you know, I thought my water broke, but I'm bleeding. And she's like, okay, she's telling me which hospital to go. She's like, we need to get you checked out. I'm going to send you to this hospital that was probably about 15, 20 minutes away. Um, she's like, they're very midwife friendly there. And then she's like, but first tell me how much blood. (laughs) So I started explaining things to her and she's like, um, get to, I had a hospital probably like three to five minutes away from us. She's like, get there now. She's like, it sounds like a placenta issue. She's get in the car and go, I'll meet you there. But she lived 45 minutes away. So I called my other mid, my friend who actually was my midwife with the twins. She was no longer practicing midwifery. She's getting older. She was much closer. And I'm like, meet me at the hospital. So I called her on the way. So I grabbed my birth kit with, thankfully, I don't even know how I thought of this. It was just sitting in my room. And on top was a waterproof pad for the mattress. And I grabbed it and put it in our car, thankfully. (laughs) And we zoomed off to the hospital. We pulled up to the emergency room. My midwife had called me in, so they were ready for me. Um, but we pulled up to the emergency room. My husband jumps out of the car, left the car open. The car's running. The valet parking guy is standing there and he sees me and he's like, and he grabs a wheelchair and brings it over to me. And I get in the wheelchair and the valet parking guy is wheeling me and Randy's behind him. The car is running and doors open. And 
and the valet parking guy come, walk, walks into the ER and there's a big long line and he didn't know what to do with me. He's like, um, wait here. And I look at him about that time. The reception has seen me and she yells across the room to a nurse that was pushing another patient. And she said, this is the one they called in. And she leaves her patient and comes running to me and whisks me off to the elevator and up we go. And I, they take me up to labor and delivery and the doctor is in the room with the ultrasound machine on ready for me. And so it was just a whirlwind. I called on the way there. I also called our pastor's wife to ask her, who is a dear friend of mine, asked her to pray. And she's like, do you want me to come? I'm like, yes. So I get in there. And right when they started the ultrasound machine, um, my friend, Melissa, the pastor's wife and um, my midwife friend both show up. So I was so just like, so grateful that I had my prayer warriors there. And my midwife friend is not only a prayer warrior, but also could tell me what's going on because here I am in a strange place with a strange doctor. So he starts scanning and he said, oh, he's like, you have placenta previa, which means my placenta was covering my cervix. And so I was probably starting early labor and started dilating. And when that happens, it starts ripping the placenta. Um, and I had, I would have known if I had an ultrasound during pregnancy, but we didn't want to know if we were having a boy or girl. Pregnancy was pretty perfect. You know, a great pregnancy, no issues. I never had any spotting or bleeding, which is common when you have placenta previa, but never had any spotting or bleeding. Um, just, so I just chose not to have an ultrasound. Um, have I, did I have, you know, looking back, if I had had an ultrasound, they would have diagnosed the placenta previa. I would have been on bed rest and they would have taken her early. Yeah. <laughs> so in the scheme of things, um, it worked out well <laughs> on my part. Not that I would, you know, suggest doing it that way, but, but however, so they whisk, you know, the bleeding had slowed down. Um, there was no way for her to come out, you know, through a placenta. We'd both have, would have bled to death. Or I would have bled to death and she would, would have lost both of us. So they whisked me off to the C-section, um, you know, because the bleeding had slowed, they were able to give me an epidural instead of, I was able to stay awake. They did let, um, I really wanted my midwife friend to go in with us, which is against hospital protocol. Only my husband was supposed to be able to go in, but the doctor was amazing and said, yes, he can go in. So, or she can go in. So she got to go in with us, which was great because my husband was not going to watch a thing that was going on. You know, he was just like, you know, down, you know, not looking over that blanket where she was watching everything, give me a play by play, which I wanted, you know, I want to know what was going on. <laughs> so she was such a blessing to have in there. But the really neat thing before we went in there, um, two different nurses at different times came in to pray with me. And then the doctor, before he started surgery, asked me if he could pray with me. I didn't know this doctor. Mm -hmm. And then they played um, Christian music in the operating room. So it was just, you know, and I just, the whole time, I felt like I was kind of not in my, I, obviously I was in my body, but I kind of felt like I was just had this peace over me. I knew God was in control. I knew God um, was going to take care of us didn't completely understand why we were in the situation we were in, but you know, it was, it was peaceful. I knew everything was going to be okay. And so she was born. Um, she like, she wasn't even out all the way and she's screaming. 
<laughs> so it was a wonderful, wonderful sound. Um, but she was born, she was healthy. Um, I had some issues with my um, uterus. Um, and I was very close on having to get a blood transfusion from all the blood I lost. Um, but thankfully didn't have to get the blood transfusion, but did lose a lot of blood. Um, they had to very carefully stitch my uterus up because apparently with the, where the placenta was located, um, and with it had been started tearing and stuff, it left a very weak spot in my uterus. Um, and another, you know, just God sent that my midwife friend was there, um, and she said, they just took such good care of me. Um, and a lot of doctors would have just done a hysterectomy at that point. Yeah. But they spent the time to, you know, sew me back and you know, double, she said, double, double blind stitch, whatever that means. <laughs> you know, all this, you know, and they actually took my uterus out of my body Whoa. to to repair it and then put it all back in. So it was amazing. And the whole time, um, little Naomi Ruth, which we call her Ruthie, um, was right there and she was, she was fine. She was healthy. Um, and it was just a miracle, a miracle. And, you know, and for everything, for the circumstance and everything that happened, we couldn't have asked for a more incredible outcome. Um, my first C-section and, um, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to repeat that by any means, <laughs> but I feel like through all my different births, I pretty much have the, um, spectrum of almost every birth story you can possibly imagine, <laughs> but God is good and he is faithful and every birth is just so miraculous. Yes, and now you just have the blessing of these beautiful children. God is good, even in the difficult times, in the hard times, in the scary times. God is there. And uh, so I pray you've been encouraged and blessed today. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who brings the baby safely from the mother's womb. You are the one who hovers over uh, the babies in the womb. And you are doing wonderful things that we can't see. And we thank you, Lord. We just thank you that you are the giver of life. And uh, we just praise you today. I just ask your blessing on every pregnant mother, on those nearing birth, that you'll be with them, that you will... Lord, just bring their babies safely forth into this world. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.